I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Small businesses bring Utah together. They inspire goodness and connect communities. These are their stories from Mighty Main Street, brought to you by the Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Here's our host, Chris Redgrave, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Mighty Main Street, the faces and places of Utah. This show features interviews with our small business community that create our Utah job market. We're supported by Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Thank you so much for joining us, Justina. I have Justina Parsons-Bernstein with the Utah State Park Dark Sky Initiative. Justina, I totally agree with you on how lucky we are in the state of Utah and other places around the United States and globally where they have dark skies that we can just get to very easily. Would you talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier, and that is light pollution and what we can be doing as a population to be able to ensure that we have dark sky for many generations to come? Oh, thank you so much for for phrasing it that way, because, you know, I really look at dark sky as a heritage heritage issue, you know our our forefathers and mothers were so enjoyed the Milky Way every night, right? And and just thought of it as an ordinary thing. And we are losing that for our children and our grandchildren, and and that is the is the tragedy. However, the cool thing is that light pollution is a pollution that we can easily turn back by just doing simple things using fully shielded um, uh, light fixtures that is that comes that the that the actual light bulb is like up under uh, the fixture the the shield you know that you would put under it the using the proper colored bulbs so light goes on a spectrum probably people know about this and it goes from red to uh, basically purple on the other end but the blue spectrum, you know, uh, new LED lights are so often that really bright blue or those car, those mm-hmm. truck headlights or whatever that blind yes. you as you're driving toward them. Those are in the bright blue spectrum, bright white blue spectrum. What you want is down in the amber and, and reddish spectrums. You don't have to go all the way to red, although when we're out at our dark sky events, we only use red lights because they don't interfere with your night sky vision. At home, just it's, you only need, here's here's simple, simple way to put it. Only light where you need it, when you need it, and aimed at what you need to light, right? So, and that should be aiming down. We really don't need to put our lights up lighting the heavens. We've got the stars for that. That's what, that's what heaven's lights are, the stars. So you just need to have your lights pointing down and uh, not pointing in your face because if you've ever walked up, if you've ever seen one of those security lights that comes on for a motion detector, motion detector lights are great because they only turn on when there's motion around them. But people often have them aimed wrong. They, like, they'll like they aim right into your eyes. And that is actually a safety hazard because when you have a light aiming into your eyes, you cannot possibly see what's around you. So you need that light aimed down so it's lighting the walkway where you're going to or your approach, your porch, whatever, but aimed down. So these are very easy things to do, and you can go to uh, darksky.org and look for uh, lighting basics on that website, and that will tell you the types of lights and the types of bulbs with the correct kelvins and lumens. I don't want to get too technical, but that you know, just we're looking for amber in the amber range color, and we're looking for you don't need to be lighting the entire world. You know, just light where you need it when you need it, and so and. 
light downward. I mean, those are the basics, the basics of it. So anybody can do that anywhere where you are. And we can help turn back this light pollution. I've interviewed tens of thousands of businesses over the years that I've lived in Utah and been in the business world. And I have never heard of the term light pollution. So was this a new initiative with our Dark Sky Initiative, our International Dark Sky Initiative? I, I really have not heard about light pollution. So I would say this started coming to the fore that people really started talking about this probably in the early of light pollution as a thing that I became aware of hearing the term in the in the early 2000s and then moved uh, more and more commonly. It has become known uh, around the world. And we just need to get everybody aware of it because, yeah, I mean, you remember everybody used to, at least when I was a teenager, we would drive to the top to look down on those city lights, right, and and look at that glowing city. But that glowing city light, think of light as a time traveler. I think how far light travels to get to us, and it's, you know, millions of years old by the time it gets to us, and it travels from so far. So think about that's in, in outer space, and think about here on this globe, the lights of the city, say, you know, Las Vegas famously, we can see a dome of light on the horizon from Las Vegas at so many of our parks down south. And it's, it's so far away, you know, I can still see that glow in the sky and you can see them several places in other big cities and metropolitan areas. You can see those glows for hundreds, hundreds of miles away. So it isn't just about the city that you're in. What is happening there light-wise is affecting broadly beyond. And the reason Utah is so fortunate to have the dark sky preserves that we do is that we have mountains and canyons and plateaus that high you know that hide us like our parks and a lot of our natural areas are tucked in the mountains and tucked in the canyons and so those form natural buffers for us away from that light pollution but we look out even on the darkest places and you usually can see a faraway light dome on the horizon no it's and interesting that is from other distant cities to support your point 80 percent of our our populations on the wasatch front and if you look at the state of utah that's small it's just like this little swatch. We have more what's called a radio term white space in the state of Utah than any other state in the United States. So we have this vast area that we can go out to. Uh, but, boy, I sure appreciate that information about the light pollution. It, it, are we? Is there any initiative going on as businesses set up, as new homeowners come in, to give people tips on what they can do to prevent light pollution? This is such a cool thing. And many uh, Utah towns and cities have adopted lighting ordinances not to totally box you around, but just to give you the kinds of lights that will be more dark sky friendly, naturally dark sky friendly. I mean, we say dark sky, but what, you know, we're looking up at stars. So really nighttime sky, preserving that beautiful nighttime sky. And yes, yeah, so um, places like Park City and so many places around the Park City jumped out at me. But uh, let's see, Helper is a, is a dark sky community and so is Tori. But there are written into the code uh, of each of these towns and many, many more in Utah about, hey, this is the kind of lighting you should use. And a lot of these are in rural places because they know that they want to preserve uh, those beautiful nighttime views right in their own communities. And so this code is being written in. And there are examples if you just look up uh, night sky friendly lighting ordinances or dark sky friendly lighting ordinances. You can you can see any kind of business or town can look and see what kind of lighting is appropriate. Again, going to darksky.org and looking there, there's plenty of guidance guidance out there about what type of lighting would be um, more friendly for our nighttime views. So uh, there's there's plenty of guidance. If, 
anybody is interested and needs more guidance, they are certainly welcome to look me up, Justina Parsons Bernstein, Utah State Park, and I can get you information and send you uh, to places where you can get this information. I'd be more than happy to do that, to share that information with interested folks. And I, I hope more people do because we, we, we can, like I said, so easily roll this back and reclaim our starry night skies. Justina, it's been a pleasure uh, having this opportunity to be able to talk to you today and understand and learn about this. I'm I'm so excited to take part in this myself. I we appreciate your passion, your dedication, and your commitment. The Utah Governor's Office is so lucky to have you on board. Thank you so much for your Dark Sky Initiative. All the best to you, and I'm going to see you out there. Antelope Island, that's where I'm going to head. Good. Let us know, and we'll, and we'll show you a good time. Check out our interviews on the podcast page of KSLNewsRadio.com. I'm host Chris Redgrave. We're coming right back on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.